Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the VergeCast flagship podcast, Vox Media. I'm saying it this time. I only say it on special occasions. We used to say it all the time because we were the only podcast. Mm-hmm. Now we have lots of others, and I, you know, we got to be friendly. But sometimes I say it. Yeah, I'm saying because it's a very special episode of the VergeCast. If you are here looking for news of the week, Apple event preview, all that stuff, we have another episode in the feed. We're doing it. You can go listen to it. This one is very special. Because our friend Dieter Bunn, co-host of The Vergecast, co-founder of the entire Verge, is leaving us. Hi, Dieter. Hello. Uh, yeah. The What are we going to call this Vergecast? The, the, the bittersweet cast? <laughs> yeah. um, I keep saying bittersweet excitement, which I think sounds like a paint color. <laughs> <laughs> this garage is painted bittersweet excitement. Uh, we thought long and hard about what this episode of the show could be, who could be on it with us. There's only one person. Our friend Walt Mossberg is here. Hey, Walt. Hey, guys. Walt, you once famously retired from The Verge. I feel like you're going to have some good advice for Dieter. <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, I just needed to be surrounded by friends and loved ones at this at this time. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about how we started The Verge. Dieter has been in media for 20 years, which is a lot to talk about. There's a line in a rundown that says Walt has other talking points he has prepared, which I have no idea what you have in store for us, <laughs> oh, Walt. Boy. Um Hang on, hang on. Does this mean that, like, this is the greatest validation of my career ever. I have made Walt do writing in retirement. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's true. Uh, Also, we have some uh, clips from other people who've worked with Dieter. It's been a long career. Dieter, you've impacted a lot of people. People want to say goodbye. Actually, let's listen to a couple of those now. Hey, Dieter. It's me, Joanna. Usually you're the one asking me questions on the Vergecast, so I'm a bit at a loss of what to say here, but here goes. We haven't worked together on a daily basis since, well, I guess since Justin Bieber fell in love with me, but I'm pretty annoyed that you're leaving this job because you make me better. Yes, this is about me. There are really only a few people out there these days that really review and test things. And when I know we are both working on a review at the same time, I think, crap. What is Dieter going to pick up on that I don't? So yes, you will be missed deeply by me and those in the industry and those who are just trying to figure out what is a computer. But I couldn't be more excited for you. And I am so proud of you in this next step. As I once boldly said, 
go f*** them all. Or did I say f*** them all? Anyway, do those things. Hey, Dieter, it's Phil. Wanted to say huge congrats on leaving us. I can't believe it, you traitor. We're going to miss you a ton. We're going to miss your videos. We're going to miss reading your great articles and reports. It's been really awesome getting to work with you. And you've been a mentor to me and so many people on the team. And I know we're all just looking forward to seeing what you do next. We'll see you on Twitter. So, Dieter, we have to address the burning question in the room. Yeah. Leaving The Verge. I am leaving The Verge. Where are you going? You know, it's been 20 years of media, and I want to go try doing something different. Uh, So I'm going to go work for Google. Uh, I'm going to work on the Platforms and Ecosystems team, which is the group that makes Android and Chrome and Chrome OS and Google Workspace and uh, some of their messaging apps. Uh, And I'm going to be working on long-term strategy. I'm going to be working on, like, helping come up with clear narratives, clear stories, uh, and working on the product. So for me, this this change is uh, about sort of less public speaking, less identifying myself with who I am publicly online, and more about helping to build products. I still care about the way that technology creates culture, the way that technology and culture interact with each other. I just think that I'm, I'm excited to try doing that from a product perspective instead of a reporting perspective. I think you're going you're gonna to help them. I think that 20 years in media is fully paid up dues <laughs> as a media guy. I, the thought has crossed my, my mind over the years that it'd be fun to go somewhere and actually have an impact, direct impact on the products rather than an indirect impact. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's obviously a loss to media, but I think Google is being very smart to bring you in inside the tent to help them because, frankly, Dieter, they need help. (laughs) They need help figuring out a narrative for everything they got going. Even if we leave out the 18 messaging apps, they need a little help. But I want to talk about something that only I can talk about, I think, which is um, I had... 40 years in media when I went to The Verge seven years ago. You always got to one-up me, don't you, Walt? <laughs> I always do. This is why and, I brought Walt in at the end. You got to bring the heavy hitter. <laughs> and um, I knew Nilai. I'd known him for, uh, you know, some years beforehand. I even tried to hire him once. But I didn't know you. And uh, Nilai brought me and Lauren Good, uh, who were part of the crew from Recode, which was going over to The Verge, to New York, and sat us down in one of those crazy no-privacy offices right across (laughs) from the two of you. So that was my first encounter with you. And I have to say, uh, Neelai was no surprise. It was no surprise (laughs) that I liked him. It was no surprise that I, I already had figured out what it what his downsides were as well as his upsides. <laughs> oh, no. But you were a really pleasant surprise, I have to say. Wow. Uh, you were uh, kind of Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside, and you did both tremendously well. Your re- journalism, your reporting, your videos, which actually got better and better over the years, the videos in particular, uh, were already great. 
I had read them, but I had not met you. But what I didn't understand was that you were also making the trains run on time inside there uh, with with Trello, and which I'd never heard of in my life. <laughs> and, and and I was the editor or the co-editor of uh, the co-executive editor, whatever it was called, at Recode and the mm-hmm. co-CEO. But I we didn't have we didn't use Trello. We didn't use any of that stuff. You had all these tools, and you were kind of herding cats inside while doing terrific journalism. And the other thing I have to say that both of you, I think, know I've always highly valued is speaking to the mainstream. I mean, you can nerd out with the best of them on anything, and sometimes (laughs) you do, and that's fine. But you also, I think, have shown a terrific talent uh, if you're talking about whatever you're talking about, messaging, phones, whatever it is, you have terrific talent at talking to the mainstream uh, consumer, which I think will, I'm betting, uh, will be something that you bring to the table at Google and and help them. Because I would have no problem having a member of my family who knows nothing about tech watch one of your videos to understand whether they should buy whatever it is you're talking about or, or why they should buy it or, or why there's really not much difference between these two competing things or whatever it is you're, you're talking about. So I uh, am, am going to miss those, to be really honest. And I also have to say that I consider you a friend. Thank you. I consider you a friend too. And I'm very happy for you to go on to another chapter of your career, but I'm a little bit sad for you to leave media. And that's just the truth. We spoke a little bit earlier and you, um, you pointed out that you got into tech media when you are, uh, were the, the same age that, that I am now. And that, you know, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're younger than me. And the things Walt has told me about being willing to reinvent yourself and try new things, um, you know, really, really helpful. And so thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And everybody listening to this should reinvent themselves every once in a while. I am concerned about a couple of things. Okay. I think there's going to be a crisis of puns on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Who is going to fill your shoes at posting puns on Twitter? I think I can still tweet puns. I think. I, oh, that, really? I, yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think there'll be a problem there. Yeah, does, we'll does see. Does Google have like a social media policy? One assumes. I don't know. Uh, it, to be clear, like. Um, no, they have uh, sixteen you, social media policies. I'm sure. <laughs> but, yeah, and Samsung has its own that comes preloaded. Yeah. yeah right. 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 But but you, you're pretty sure you can keep up the puns because that would. There's all kinds of of uh, problems at Twitter, but. Um, the, the sudden loss of puns would be just another one. So I'm a little worried about that. It'd be catastrophic. Uh, I think I'll, I'll tweet puns. I'll also tweet uh, angry angry videos about bike lanes. I'm, I'm anticipating that. Um, bike lanes, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm kind of glad, Neelai, that Control-Walt-Delete, the podcast you and I did for a couple of years together, is no longer uh, uh, active because... As you know, in every single episode, we had to say <laughs> Peter Bone. <laughs> it came and, up a lot. You know, that would be a little weird now. 
This guy at Google we're talking about. Oh, I think yeah. we can still do it, and we can still mention <laughs> Dieter and blame him for everything. That's oh, like yeah. What I'm, I fully expect what to be blamed I'm most for everything. excited about. Uh, we would blame him. Yeah. I was, do want to disclose was... really quick that as you're listening to this, I will— um, I will not be dead. I will already be dead. I will already be kicked out of the Virgin Newsroom. <laughs> so, at, um, you know, we at the moment that I'm going to, like, formally accept this job at Google, I will have already been gone from the Virgin Newsroom. Yeah. The, it, we'll just do the transparency is our brand, right? Yeah. Disclosure is our brand. So, Dieter, I can't have a Google employee in my <laughs> newsroom. That's a very challenging problem. Yeah. So, we asked Dieter and he agreed to not actually accept this gig until we had made the show and he'd made his goodbye video on YouTube and wrote his last post. So we, we have this very, you know, it's in the end, it's very simple. He's going to leave the Virgin, he's gonna, but it's, it's orchestrated. We had to like stage manage this exit. So mm-hmm. that's our disclosure. Again, I believe in transparency is like, it's probably too much. This is like a Walt, the old recode disclosures that we yeah. have modeled everything after for years. Yep. The famous line was, it is probably more than you want to know. But here yeah. it is. And that's that's how I feel about this. Yep. Are you walking uh, Dieter out of the building? Uh, is security coming to do that? If I had the opportunity to walk Dieter out of the building <laughs> to make him put all of his, like, old Nokia phones in a cardboard box, and I'm like, I would yeah, absolutely that's, do that's it. The, that's the photo I want to see. That's the yeah. Instagram I want to see. If I could pull that off. But Dieter works at home now, so yeah. I'd be walking him out of his own garage. No, he has to come to the office so we can leave the office. I mean, you have to hire, office. You have to hire two guys, big guys, in, in security uniforms to walk him out. Look, it's not going to take two guys to, to intimidate me. I'm not, I'm not that powerful i'm actually in the san francisco office now and i opened up a drawer uh and uh sitting right there was like a one plus one and i was like oh man i've been doing this a while remember the one plus one like that yeah there's so yeah. much excitement about that phone anyway uh why don't we take a break here from some other people we'll come back Dieter. i'm dying to hear some of your kind of favorite moments from your run at the verge but let's hear from some folks hey Dieter. It's me, Nad Garen. Remember the person you tried to hire by telling her you were better than her at two dots and then you actually weren't? Anyway, The Verge wouldn't be what it is today if you hadn't been around to shape it. So I'm sure you already know that the tech journalism industry is going to miss you so very much. And personally, I want to thank you for always being a sounding board as a boss, a mentor, a collaborator, but most importantly, a friend. I'm looking forward to how you shape the next era of Android. And while you're there, remember, I'm one with the blob. The blob is me. Bring it back. Bye. Hey, Dieter. This is your San Francisco buddy, Viren. And also, for the listeners who don't know me, I'm the senior video director here at The Verge and have been working with Dieter for quite a while. Five, six, probably six years. I just finished editing our last video, our last processor video, and it was a lot of fun until I got to the end, which was a little bit sad. But I don't want to talk about that right now. What I want to do right now is thank you. Thank you for hearing me out when I needed it. Thank you for listening to my directions on how to act in front of a camera, although sometimes you would ignore that advice. And that's okay. All's forgiven now. We made some great videos, and we made a lot of them. Very proud of the work we did together. Lastly, I want to thank you for being a mentor. Thank you for all your words of wisdom. And most importantly, I want to thank you for carrying my gear whenever my back would hurt, because that shit is painful. Also, we made a fucking documentary. See you, buddy. Good luck. 
So Dieter Bone, you were the first person I reached out to when we were starting The Verge, the first non-Engadget person. So I don't know if people know the story, ancient history now. There was 12 of us. We worked at a site called Engadget. That site was owned by AOL, which, Walt, I think you famously remember, was not a great company. Um, <laughs> products, products were uh, falling apart. They're still around. I think they're, they're owned. they got bought by Verizon, sold by whatever. We were all at AOL. We saw the writing on the wall. We wanted to leave. We're going to start The Verge. And we were thinking, who should we go out and get? And the only person on my list was Dieter Bone. Dieter, do you remember that, that first conversation? We were we talked for a minute for a while. The like, what I remember is we first met and like hung out at um, a Microsoft conference in Las Vegas. I cannot remember what it was. A build? It was a Windows Phone event, man. It was a Windows Phone event, and everybody was running around. This was the same thing as the big Embark WebOS event for the touchpad and the the Veer and the Pre Three. Oh, um, I have a different I have a different memory of that. Well, yeah, okay, but in both events. Like, I was, like, killing myself, running around, trying to get the news, caring a lot. You were doing you were the same. You were pre-central and Windows central. That was pre-central. Right? That, the touchpad day in particular was wild because um, our content management system crashed. And so we live-blogged the entire day by me opening up AOL Instant Messenger and then sending <laughs> updates to uh, the owner, Marcus Adolfson, who oh then God. was just hand-coding them into a blank HTML page. And hitting refresh, hitting publish on it, and telling <laughs> people to hit refresh. We just we just straight up drudge reported it. Um, but but you're anyway, basically the, saying yeah. that that this was the only successful thing to come out of Windows Phone. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. So I I, don't, I remember this event. It was in Las Vegas, and you have to put yourself back in this mm-hmm. mode. People believe that Microsoft was going to compete with the iPhone. Yeah. You have to like put yourself in that space. It is very hard to put yourself in that space now. Remember, it was called Windows Phone 7 Series. It was a completely backwards name. No one could figure out why they called it this. They announced three phones. Every time we would ask them a question, they would say, we'll tell you more. I don't remember what it was called. We'll, t- we'll tell you more at this event that's coming up. Yeah. So all of the hype in the world is about this event. They're going to tell us about the apps. They're going to tell us about the pricing. They're going to tell us about the partners. And so... I got to go. Here I am in Vegas. And it's like me and Dieter. And Dieter and I had had this interaction many, many times where it was like the two bloggers and then like the army of legacy media reporters. Yeah. Sorry, Walt. <laughs> <laughs> Although Walt was much more of a blogger about it this time. I'm not sorry. Sorry. Right. Uh, and so we we're just like peppering them with questions. Yeah. Just like arms raised, talking back, no decor. You know, everyone else is sort of like writing their thing to file for the print paper two months from now or whatever. And Dieter and I like real time, like blogging. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I, that guy, he's on my wavelength. And then we ended up at the bar and Dieter told me he'd broken up with his girlfriend. And that was, a, that was the whole that, situation. And that's it. We were yeah. off to the races. Disclosure. This was, this was well before disclosure. My, uh, <laughs> my wife who works for, for meta, by the way, that event, they released no information. They said nope. nothing. And when yep. this one failed, yep. So, yeah, we, I think there was like one sliver of news and nobody else even recognizes news, but we did. And we're like, well, I guess this is the news and we're here in Las Vegas. <laughs> um, yeah. The Palm event, that was different because we were still competitors. Yeah. We were, we were so competitors we, at the Windows event too, weren't we? Yeah, but I yeah. think we were the we were like kindred spirits because yeah. we were like, yeah, is yeah. there news? Are you, can you give us news? Is there, <laughs> you, 
We were we were like a little team at the Palm yeah. event. Yeah, it was like a keynote. Do you remember Jimmy Iovine was on stage? Yes, he, and he, he got had totally a... knocked off his game by the president of Qualcomm, who was like he was trying to sell Beats to HP at that time. Yeah, he just went on stage and rambled. It was like one of the best rambles of all time. But that event is the day I knew I was going to quit AOL. Oh wow! Uh, because they had, I will never forget this. They were running like those horrible belly fat ads on our pages. Yeah. Do you remember those like early internet, like garbage remnant? Yeah. One weird trick. To, and I sent this like furious email and I was like, I'm working my ass off at this event. And like some other person was like, those ads on your page suck. And it just like sent me in a spiral. So I sent this email. We got to get these ads off. And I received an email back from, you know, one of the well-meaning dilettante AOL executives. He was like, well, we're a team here. And I literally said, no, I'm the team. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm, it's, it's me. I'm doing all the work. And that was the day I knew we were leaving. And you were there. And I remember I was like, we, whatever we do next, Dieter's got to be on the, on the crew. It was great coming to start at The Verge. I don't know how public this story is, but when I interviewed at The Verge, I met Josh Topolsky at a bar at like, Almost one in the morning. It was like like midnight, and we talked until they they shut us down and kicked us out. Um, and we we really had similar thoughts. Uh, the a book by uh, Jaron Lanier, "You're Not a Gadget," had just come out, and I had like angry thoughts about this book. The next morning, I went and I interviewed all day, starting at like eight a.m. at HP to go work for WebOS. <laughs> then I had to pick between these two jobs. Um, this is really day. kind of in full circle. Yeah, yeah. I chose The Verge, which was at the time a very, very risky bet because uh, it was a brand new thing. No idea if it would succeed. It was. It is not the giant that it is today. It was like, you know, a new blog. Who knows what's going to happen with something like that? But I realized that I, I still cared and I, I, I continue to care today about helping people do a better job of understanding how technology affects their lives and uh, making an impact on like their like ability to like think critically about technology and I wanted to give that a shot at the verge um, and before that I had run smartphone experts which uh, was later called mobile nation so I founded Android Central and iMore and we had a Nokia Central site of course we had the pre central site um, I got my start blogging at uh, trio Central my first post was about trio mail the um, email app that the carriers refused to allow palm to uh, pre-install on their trio phones because they had to have uh, their carrier email apps instead anyway uh, yeah it was uh, it was a wild time and like you know, I show up and I'm like, oh, man, there's all these people from Engadget. This is going to be really intimidating. And I, I, you know, walk in the tiny room in a terrible New York office that was, like, tiny. And I think you got internet from, like, a satellite that only worked when it was, like, a perfectly clear sky or something. I know. It was a WiMAX antenna on the roof. We uh, we couldn't – I mean, the themes here are – right? Dieter writes a post about email apps not being allowed by carriers. He shows up at our office. We can't get fiber internet, so I have to set up a WiMAX antenna on the roof. <laughs> you can see where a lot of the themes for the whole thing came from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, WiMAX internet did not work. By the way, um, the fiber company—they finally put fiber by that office, mm -hmm. and they to this day still email me, wow. asking me if we want fiber internet. Or you should say office. yes. <laughs> Help somebody out. Oh, okay. Let's hear from some more people. Dieter is still the only person I know who can talk about theology, WebOS, the English language, RCS, iPhones, 
HDMI cables and the history of the United States all in a single sentence and somehow it all makes sense. It's a real achievement and I'm going to miss him very much on The Verge cast and at The Verge. Dieter, I miss you. I'm very proud of you. Thank you for everything. Well, Dieter, this is a really cool situation you find yourself in. And okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to do one last RCS reference for the road. I'm absolutely gutted by your departure, but I think you're going to have a really fun time. I think Neil and I are going to try to have a fun time. We are going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers a lot more on the show. Um, We're no longer going to be talking about phones. It's going to be all e-ink all the time. Please send me all your tips about how great e-ink is. And Dieter, I'm going to miss you, man. Dieter. Yeah. You've done almost every job at The Verge. As Walt had pointed out, you unspacely ran the entire newsroom. You have blogged your face off. My favorite role that you ever had was uh, what we called reports editor. Yeah. Where we would have a daily meeting at the end of the day and talk about all the news and then assign the next day stories. Mm-hmm. And this would be at like 5 p.m. Yep. So then Dieter, in the window between 5 p.m. and everyone else leaving, would have to leave that meeting and then scramble around to every reporter to get the next day's assignments out. Yeah. We really? should have had the meeting earlier in the day. It's <laughs> like one of those things now with, you know, like six years of hindsight. You're like, why did we do that to ourselves? We yeah, did it almost every day. Uh, literally everything you can think of. But tell us some of your favorite moments. <sighs> Man, there are a bunch. It's also, it also is a blur. I'm going to talk about CES for a minute. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it hasn't been in person for a couple of years. It hasn't been relevant for much longer in terms of like major products being announced there. And maybe, like, you count the number of, like, actually genuinely impactful products that were directly announced at CES in some independent event. It's, like, you know, less than half a dozen. But we always took it seriously, not because we thought that every single random gadget was important, but because it was uh, an important way to sort of see what the industry was doing. So we didn't want to celebrate the industry. We wanted to, like, see what they were doing and be there to report on it live. So, okay, one of my favorite things that happened there is there was this Bluetooth speaker. The size of a truck. It was the most stupid thing ever. It had like an iPhone dock on the top of it. So it was it was a giant, like literally a truck-sized speaker. It was with so big. An iPhone dock. And they're like, we're gonna sell this for real. This isn't it was just called a little, the iNuke boom. The iNuke boom. And you bought it, Neli, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, in, it's in the backyard right now. Uh, it was ridiculous. Um but it so, had like a 30-pin connector. Like it was like yeah. old school. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is very old. So I go and I look at this thing and I'm like, we should write about it here. But I didn't want to just point at it and laugh. I obviously didn't want to take it seriously as a product because, come on, you're not going to sell a truck-sized Bluetooth speaker called the iNuke Boom. Nobody is going to buy this thing. This is obviously a gimmick to get attention. And then I realized like, oh, wait, gimmicks to get attention is, what's happen- is what happens here. I will write about what it's like to observe a gimmick to get attention. The Verge very kindly let me write this post that called back to a very famous essay about Las Vegas architecture and like architectural theory about painted sheds and ducks, which is very, very heady. Very Dieter. I called the thing a duck, which is like amazing if you are familiar with uh, the Learning from Las Vegas essay. And The Verge just let me do it. I just like, I wrote this thing. And I'm like, is this any good? And they're like, yep. I was like, okay. <laughs> and it was, it was weird. And, like, I, I had permission to be weird. We published this thing, which, you know, was not exactly nice. And Bar- I think it was Behringer that made this thing, right? Was that oh, right? I don't even remember. I don't remember. I have to find this They're post. like, oh, this is fun. And then they, like, they hauled their truck-sized 
Bluetooth speaker out to our trailer where we Sparinger. were blogging from. And, like, we had a little, like, nerd dance party outside our CES trailer. Actually, the most CES version of that story was, right, this is, like, an audio company. This is 2012. This is a very different time. Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, do you want me to bring the booth, babes? And I had to be like, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, it was a very CES moment for me. And it was, like, one of those moments where I was like, I'm – in a position of authority and I'm making this call and like, it was like one of the first times and it was about this speaker. Yeah. And it was just the, I, I think about this story very fondly as being like, it was an expression of our values. It was the verge just like proudly being weird and literary and heady about a gadget. And also it's a truck size Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, we got it. Like, this is where we are. Like, yeah, you've triangulated our identity as a publication yeah. <laughs> inside of this experience. Well, you did a couple CESs with us, right? I did. And one of them was one of my fondest memories. And I did 25, I think, CESs and Comdexes mm -hmm. over the years. But one of my favorite memories was we did a video of Dieter and I walking the floor. And we spent, I think we spent more, most of our time, not the same, we went to Samsung, we went to see all the TVs and all that yeah. stuff. But yep. my favorite thing is we went to some little company. I can't remember the name. They, they, were, had, they were like out of Missouri or something. Yeah, they had every conceivable gadget you could think of none of which Dieter and I had ever come across or written yep. about or would ever write about, did ever write about. But in the video, the whole, the video just shows us trying things like rocks that are Bluetooth speakers. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not kidding. Yeah. Rocks. Yeah. I remember uh, us saying to uh, Tim Cook through the video, why don't you make one of these? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I don't know if Dieter remembers any of the other crazy stuff, but it was all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it was like I, emergency radios and, uh, you know, knockoff Bluetooth headphones and, like, flashlights that had, like, extra random crap bolted onto them just because. <laughs> right. Just random stuff. And so, I, you know, it's the kind of stuff that I imagine uh, was sold in those ads you hated <laughs> yeah, did you guys maybe, lose any belly fat along the way? Maybe, you know, behind the front counter at CVS, you know? Yeah. That was their yeah. tech section. Because these guys seem to be doing quite well. They had a reasonable amount of floor space at CES. Yeah. And uh, so, and I, the, I mean, this I love that. The scramble at that company when they finally realized that Walt Mossberg was at their booth was remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's no, it was they re realized that you were at their booth. Oh, okay. Wow. The other thing I want to say is um, I was at The Verge maybe five days, four days before um, I was in the backseat of a cab with Dieter. We were on our way to a restaurant for dinner with, with you, Neilai, and others. And I got the lecture about the open web. <laughs> I got the lecture about the open web. Yeah. Because I was and still am essentially an apps guy. And I got the lecture about the open web. And uh, we argued about it. But I think actually on balance over the years, Dieter, I want to tell you, I think you were right. Oh, boy. Wow. 
Yeah, let's unpack this. Dieter, your thesis about the open web versus apps has always been in the background of The Verge. Mm -hmm. We have talked about it on maybe every Vergecast, whether or not we even were explicitly talking about it. But it's, it's basically that the open web is where the innovation comes from. It's the democratic thing and the sort of app ecosystem or the one true answer from Alexa where you ask it a question and it delivers it. That's all secret deals. Yep. And the consumer can see what is happening to them on the web. And that's better. How do you think that's gone? The, the cliche is always the web will always win. Um, I don't I don't think that's necessarily true. And I definitely am not in, the, in a position to say that, like, the web is better than apps for many, many applications. I've never thought that. Um, I think it's worse today for lots of things than it used to be. But I've always felt that it was important to defend and important to, like, encourage people to use it and to try to do cool stuff with it because it is still the platform that doesn't have a giant gatekeeper telling you what to do. And sometimes that's, you know, terrible because people do terrible things on the web. But it also is a chance for innovation without uh, massive resources or infrastructure. You know, not to put too fine a point on it, but like The Verge only exists because we could just make a website. You know, we didn't need to like... Back in the day, remember with the iPad, there was like the the whole idea of the iPad is they would cut deals and it was going to be like a news consumption machine and like yeah, uh, Rupert Murdoch and News Corp made an entire iPad newspaper called the Daily. Fifty million bucks. He spent fifty million bucks, and they hired some of the best people. When the Daily fell apart, we like went and hired some Daily people. Like, oh, this is these people are great. Yeah, yeah. But they were like basically publishing a single PDF to an iPad a day. Yeah. Um. And, you know, like the, the fact that we didn't need to cut a deal to do something like that, that we could just – we start the, the, the Verge started as a website called This Is My Next. It was a WordPress blog that you all started and then I came on just because everyone wanted to make sure that they stayed sharp with writing, but also because we were all just – we couldn't stop ourselves from wanting yep. to, like, comment on tech and review tech and say things about the news events that were happening. Yeah, I, that moment – is actually really instructive. So we all left in Gadget. We're recruiting Dieter. Dieter comes on. He's our first big hire. We started a website just to host what became the Vergecast. This it was called This Is My Next Podcast because we didn't have a name. And we started the WordPress site just to put the podcast somewhere because mm-hmm. back in those days, you just needed to do that. And then all of us, our plan was like, well, I'll just blog on our personal blogs. This is like ancient history that people yeah. thought this was a viable strategy. And then we're like, this is stupid. We should put it all in one place. And then our poor product team, which was desperately trying to build The Verge, started getting feature requests for the WordPress site we had started in the background because we (laughs) couldn't stop ourselves from using it. I'd be like, we've got an Apple event. Like uh, the iPhone 4S was announced when we were still, this is my next on our WordPress blog. Mm -hmm. And I was like, here's my feature list for how we're going to do an Apple event. I very directly remember our product manager being like, do you want to delay the verge by one month? Because if I go and do all this garbage you want on WordPress, I will not be building your actual website. And I was like, I'm going to have to think about that. (laughs) But all that's just web stuff. Like we were able to just like build that stuff and invent it and go to the audience with it. Mm -hmm. There's something to, and I recognize that building apps is now easier than ever, but there's something about, the lack of gatekeepers, I think it's still very important. Well, I think when I say Dieter was right, I don't mean that apps are terrible. And he didn't say that apps were terrible. But I think we need to have 
on open web. And if and the pandemic has kind of proved it. I mean, you can do Zoom on your phone. Uh, you can do Zoom on your iPad, but most people have done Zoom on their laptop or or uh, whatever, and that's just it's just a, a link to another tab. That's the Zoom call. It's just like just like this podcast we're doing right now is is I don't know they they have an app I guess, but we're I'm doing it on the Chrome browser. Um, yeah. Which is, by the way, Dieter, there's a little bit of gatekeeping on the web mm-hmm. through Chrome, through Safari, through, uh, I don't, I have no idea about Edge. I have no idea. But <laughs> no, Microsoft wants, Microsoft is desperately trying to gatekeep on Edge. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little gatekeeping there, but, uh, but uh, anyway, I just wanted to, uh, you know, when I was thinking about Dear Bone, I was thinking about that lecture in the cab, which took almost <laughs> no time to develop. Yeah. Um, That's very accurate. Well, okay, so let's talk about gatekeeping on browsers like Chrome, for example. Like, when uh, a company makes a website and it only works in Chrome, I refuse to say that it is a web app, that it instead is a Chrome app, or if it only works in Safari, it rarely happens, it's a Safari app. This is another one of my favorite things I've done at The Verge. I spent... God, Neil, when did I first pitch uh, the definition of the web to you? It took like two years. It did take like two I, years. I just, I kept on writing it and re- erasing it and writing it and erasing it and uh, like talking to people and talking to people on the web and whatever. This whole thing got started because um, John Gruber over at Daring Fireball had published a post wherein he argued that it was about apps versus web. And he argued something to the effect of like anything that uses HTTP is on, is on the web and therefore apps are part of the web. And I was like, hang on. And so then I, I thought about it for like two years, and I landed on this post that I'm very proud of, uh, like a now a brief definition of the web, where I said that in order for something to be on the web, it has to be linkable. Um, there needs to be a link, like you mentioned, the, the Zoom link, Walt. But then the second thing is it needs to be agnostic to the client. So there needs to not be a gatekeeper for it. It needs to be able to give me what it is it's trying to do using whatever computer or whatever browser app or whatever I choose to use with it. And unless the thing you're making, the app, the page, or whatever, um, gives you that freedom, I don't think it should count as part of the open web. That was a great piece. I'm not sure I read it contemporaneously, but I read it. Mm. Uh, And um, the other thing you forgot to mention is, by being agnostic, there were no green videos and blue videos. <laughs> just, it was, it was no, no green bubbles, no blue bubbles. Just, yeah. we're all here. We could be using different brands of computers. I suspect we're not, but we could be. <laughs> and it wouldn't matter. And we could be using different devices, you know. Yeah. Uh, I got that lecture, and I, after all these years, I just wanted to say, I take your point. I take your point. <laughs> that's a big victory. That's a giant win for me. <laughs> Thank you. That, I think that's a good, an excellent place to take a, another break, hear from some other folks. We'll be right back. Oh, hello, Dita. This is uh, Elvis from your Las Vegas wedding. I just want to wish you a successful uh, next chapter in your life and uh, always remember to rock on. 
Dieter, it's your bud Becca. Um, sorry if you can't hear me over the sound of the uh, crashing waves. I'm currently celebrating on a beach because the uh, competition on the channel just, whew. Well, let's just say thank God you're finally leaving. No, I'm kidding. Um, Dieter, you've been an incredible mentor for me and uh, it's definitely sad to see you uh, get going. I feel like you were just getting really good at Premiere too. Uh, but anyway, Android trumps iOS all day, every day, so just happy you're going to uh, fight the good fight. Um, <laughs> I'll see you down the trail, bud. Hey everyone, it's Lauren Good from Wired, and um, I had the absolute pleasure of working with Dieter for at least a few years at The Verge, which means that there are way too many stories that I can't possibly fit into this short little speech. But um, I think this sums Dieter up. The other day when Dieter texted me and asked if we could talk, um, I ended up messaging him the next morning at about 6.30, so it was pretty early, and he replied, good morning, LOL, glad to see we are both still, and then he put this in caps, old people who are up too early. <laughs> but I guess that story doesn't really encompass what a smart and kind and caring colleague and friend Dieter is. And um, this is something that I think Verge readers and Verge YouTube fans have really gotten a sense of over the years because who Dieter is really shows in his coverage. And I know he is going to be sorely missed both at The Verge and in the world of journalism. But I also know he's going to do great and just be a great person no matter where he is. So good luck, Dieter. I would say I'll miss you, but um, hopefully I'll see you soon. Lastly, the three of us have worked together a lot. It would be remiss if we had this whole conversation. We shouldn't talk about the news because Dieter is not technically a Google executive, but we have covered an awful lot of Apple events together in our time. There's one next week. But uh, Dieter, I just want to talk about that. That I'm just going to take credit for it because it's the day you're leaving. Okay. I would say that we invented the sort of modern swarm and event approach, live log, live posts, immediate hands-on videos. That was something that we were doing before The Verge at our various sites, um, the chaos of running around with mm – -hmm. I used to take my first uh, event videos on like a Canon ELF camera. It's like a real thing I used to do, and we would just yep. like throw them up on whatever garbage player we could. I had some Sony camera that was like shaped like a pistol. You remember the Sony camera? Oh, yeah. That yeah, thing yeah. was incredible. Yeah. Um, I used to have one of those Elgato Turbo 264 USB cards that would speed up yep. video because yep. the computers are too slow. Yep. Um, so it would speed up compression and encoding for you. Yeah. That was all stuff we made up, and now it's a system. But, dude, I just want to talk about that moment. Like, I feel like I can say this to you. Like, we were nuts, right? Like no, that was not the right way to to burn our, our time or be stressed, but we did it. And I, and I'm just wondering, like looking back on it, like what do we get right? What do, we, what do you think we got wrong? I completely disagree. Yeah, I don't think we were nuts at all. If if you go to the site, you'll see my goodbye post. Uh, there's this long running joke that I'm always the first person to show up at these live events. I'm like first in line. I get right. there at like 6 a.m. Everyone teases me for it, and I happily take that teasing. Because when we do these live events and like in, in the Virgin general, people are like, how are you so good? And it's like, well, uh, all our people care a lot. They all work very hard. And we like uh, we are organized, like rigorously organized in our logistics and what the plan is going to be. And then we execute on that plan. It's very simple. <laughs> but I always showed up to those events early and I always really killed myself to do the best job I could, be as fast as I could um, and just like be 
like as on as I ever have been because it genuinely was a privilege to be there. Most people can't go to these big tech events. Um, and whether the products end up being impactful or minor, there's a very good chance that thousands, if not millions of people will be using the things that are announced that day. And so I always took it very seriously to do my best to do the best work there because, one, there was a massive team back in the office watching along with us, trying to get news posts up while I was live blogging or taking pictures of a phone in a giant crowd or whatever, and I wanted to make sure I didn't let them down. But importantly, I didn't want to let our audience down because one of the things about The Verge is, you know, we take this stuff really seriously. We take gadgets really seriously. We think that they are important objects because you use them thousands of times a day sometimes. And so we, we know our audience does too. And so for me to be jaded about my 10th Apple keynote, to me, just strike, it strikes me as just fundamentally unfair because it, it genuinely was a privilege to be there. Not because, oh, my God, I'm at the, the temple of Apple or the, you know, the amazing Google I.O. keynote. I'm lucky to like, go be in the presence of this company. It was I had the privilege of being the representative of our audience at that thing. So, yeah, I'm going to show up a couple hours early to make sure that I don't screw it up. How do you think that's changed? I mean, that's kind of the heart of this question. And, Walt, I would give that to you too, right? Like when Walt and I were talking before we got on the air here, you mentioned that there was that early run of Apple where every keynote was like a Steve Jobs new product or at least the iPod was a different color, right? There was just like a fast and furious moment. Well, whatever whatever it is we had – you know, since I've retired a few years ago, I've been thinking about kind of the run of my career and products and all that. And in the early days, I'm not sure you guys were old enough to be writing then, but maybe you were, I don't know. Uh, In 1991, in the early days, everything was a new thing. And, you know, finding things to review or write about or comment about wasn't that hard. And then you go through stages. Then the computer becomes relatively common. They agree on certain, even though they don't, I assume, formally sign a, you know, a, a treaty. But you know, you you know what a touchpad looks like or a trackpad, whatever word you want to use for it. And you know that the ones on the Macs are better than the ones on the PCs until the PCs catch up. A few of the PCs catch up. But you know what that is and things like that. I mean, you know, that wasn't always clear. I think the most exciting part of that whole period after everything got settled down was about 10 years after Steve Jobs came back to Apple. And this is not a plug for Apple, but it's just what changed the world, what was fresh, what was exciting, what was different, and what was presented to you by one of the great salesmen ever, those were those Apple events. I mean, you know, starting with the iMac in 98, uh, going to the iPod and the iPod Nano and the iPod Mini and all those things, uh, that famous Saturday Night Live sketch where uh, Fred Armisen playing Steve Jobs would introduce an iPod and then cancel it five minutes <laughs> later, you know. Uh, and Tina Fey w- would go, wait a minute, that was only on the market for a minute, you know. He goes, too long. Um, 
So those, and then, and then of course the iPhone, which is, you know, you could write a thesis on it. And then, um, uh, the iPad and, uh, oh, and the MacBook Air mm-hmm. in there. And that was an amazing, I'm not sure there's been a run of at least hardware products that could compare with that run over that period of time. And the events themselves became, in a way, the place to be if you were if you were a tech writer. Whether you cared about Apple or not, whether you thought the thing was dumb or you thought it was, you know, uh, the answer to everything, it didn't matter. Those were the places to be, and those are the places all the journalists saw each other every time it, it came up. So it was quite an unusual thing, and I, I had been going to them. Uh, I don't think I missed more than one. I think I was snowed in for one or something. Mm. But I will say that the first one I went to with you guys, and wa- <laughs> and watching uh, the organization, a lot of which was Dieter, was quite astonishing to me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I helped a little with the live blogging. I sat there with an uh, iPad mini mm-hmm. and threw in lines into the live blog. But then immediately after, we huddled outside on the sidewalk. We figured out, you know, where to go for the hands-on. Who was? Uh, it was all figured out beforehand. But I mean, we reminded ourselves of that. We tried to decide if we should do a special podcast. I think we did do at least one of those, mm-hmm. maybe more. Who was going to write what, 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 you know, what kind of, uh, Neelai, you, I think you would always write something. I wrote a column typically the next day uh, out of sequence with my regular columns. Um, so, you know, the, there was no stopping. And every kind of tool we had at our disposal to talk to our audience was used. So uh, I was just blown away. Dieter would often assign me the role of schmoozing to just get me out of the way. He'd be like, you, you go schmooze. Well, I got, it. I got it. I mean, it was also because I'm incredibly bad at it. Uh, like I, 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 have, I have learned to do a very good job to um, act like I am a social person and, um, you know, I'm comfortable in front of people. But the truth is, uh, no, everybody, everybody is terrifying all of the time. And, and so I would, uh, it was important that we try and get FaceTime with executives. It was important that we like talk to other people. And so, um, I knew that I was bad at it and I knew that Neil is very good at it. So, and I knew I, that the tool I had in my back pocket was that I could get them an introduction to Dieter Bone, <laughs> which is very, yeah. once you find the leverage, you got to use it mm-hmm. is my advice. Let's hear from a couple more people and then let's, let's wrap this thing up. But here's a, here's a couple more people saying about it here. Hi, it's Maria. One of my most important memories of Dieter is actually from a shoot for Handspring last year. We were on location and someone mistaked me for the production assistant and I was the senior producer for the project. Dieter quickly turns around and is like, hey, she's actually the one who's running this whole thing. This is as much her project as it is mine. In the last eight years working for tech blogs, I have never seen anyone in real time um, stand up for something like that. Usually people message me later being like, oh, hey, that sucked. Like, sorry that happened, even if they were there in person. I think for me, that story really encompasses the kind of collaborator and person Dieter is really willing to champion others and, in my experience, really stand up for the things that are right. So we'll miss you a lot. 
Hey Dieter, Tom here. I'm recording this on some type of Android messaging app. I'm not sure which one. So hopefully you actually get to hear it through the power of RCS. In all seriousness though, it has been a pleasure working with you over the last 10 years. Your reviews, your YouTube videos and analysis has been non-stop 10 out of 10 and we're going to miss you dearly. I'm now looking forward to watching you keep kicking ass, using really bad puns on Twitter and standing up for the open web. All right, dude, I, I, there's two things I want to talk about at the end here. One, we haven't really talked about your growth in video, right? You started The Verge. We all just sort of made videos. We had no idea what we were doing. You obviously ran with it. I want to just hear about that a little bit yeah, because I think what you have built with your YouTube audience is incredible. And then what are you doing at Google? But let's start with... <laughs> Let's start with this video thing. And so I, I think a lot of people look up to you. A lot of people want to be YouTubers. How did this start? How did it grow? What does that felt like? So we've always tried to do video at The Verge, um, and the video team has made some incredible, ambitious stuff. But, you know, you also got to do, like, hands-ons and reviews and whatnot. There was a very early hands-on with, uh, God, it, I think it might have been the Nexus 5, and it was in a weird space, and there weren't a lot of journalists there, and I was nervous, and I didn't want to, like, bother everybody else. So we did a really quick hands-on, and I was, like, really quiet, and I mumbled, and I was like, <laughs> you know, because I didn't want to interrupt people in the room. Um, and so the, the hands-on gets published, and um, Reddit and a bunch of people just, like, excoriate me for this. Like, I said the camera was going to suck before I'd even tried it. How dare I? Um, it turned out I was right. Um, I, <laughs> you know, like, it, it, it was like an unenthusiastic, like, why are you so bored by this thing? You sound bored thing. And at first I was, like, really, like, come on, man. Like, you know, I, you, I don't actually, like, this is unfair. I was, you don't know the situation. Like, blah, 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 blah. And then I, I sort of just realized, like, come on, that's not fair. Like, like they're right. I sounded unenthusiastic. And the the craft of making a good video, the craft of, like, communicating to an audience on YouTube or, you know, a different platform um, is a mix of, like, understanding the conventions of that platform and, like, you know, knowing where you can push on them, knowing where you should stick to them, and then actually caring about the craft of, like, being clear to camera and doing good work and, um, you know, like the visuals, which I am terrible with the camera, but our, our video team has been amazing. And so a lot of the answer to like, how did I, you know, get good about, get, how did I get good on video <laughs> was just really thinking about the audience, caring what I think people want, would want to see and what they need to know and taking the the time that they are generously giving us to hit play on a video, even if you're playing it at 1.5, um, uh, <laughs> like you are giving me your time. I owe you caring about the thing I make for that time. And so it's not, it was like, maybe it's like a Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours kind of thing or whatever, but mostly it was um, over and over again at The Verge. We, we really do want to make good things for our audience. And so like, taking a step and not thinking about like just the product itself and what I want to say about it, but thinking about the craft that I want to say about it. And that craft is not there because I want to be a better writer, although of course it is. The craft is there because like I care that a person who buys a phone, like they buy the right phone and they, they understand how it works and they have a good experience. And so like, I need to tell them that. But at the same time, I care about them having a good experience with the products that we make. And so like, I just, uh, it's a very long way of saying I just started trying harder. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, I mean, isn't that always the answer? But I tried harder in service of like like for a specific reason that like I I I appreciate and feel privileged for the attention that people are willing to give us, and I feel like I need to give back the most that I can for that attention. Uh, you know, I said earlier that I admired you as a journalist, but that that only grew, and I think your videos were an enormous part of that. You you didn't try to be flashy. You didn't try to be, you know, kind of fake funny. You just, you, you came across as a guy, and this was always my goal. I couldn't do it in video. I just stared at the webcam in a, in a <laughs> 1998 Mac. You know, yeah. that's what I did uh, and, and looked like a deer in the headlights. But what I mean is you have to come across as somebody that they can trust, that knows more about it than they do but that still never ever forgets people have to be comfortable with this. People have limited budgets. People have uh, needs. I mean, they're, they're, the, the Samsung camera can have 150 features, but you know that most people are just gonna use the default. And you know that, and you said stuff like that in your videos and, and you try, your, your tests took all of that into account. You might show the crazy features for a minute or two, but mostly you use the camera the way you thought your audience would use the camera. So I can't commend you enough for uh, uh, your video work. Thanks. Actually, Neil, can I ask you a question? Um, famously with our iPhone reviews, and um, we really like dig in deep on like a particular camera feature. And mm -hmm. often our reviews, both yours and mine, you know, there's like all the stuff, but then there's like one thing that we just like go very hard on. And I always like that because it, um, you know, like the feature itself was interesting, but it was also like a demonstration of knowing that these new things that are like are getting put out by these companies, like actually could have an effect on people's lives and that the the process of us showing how we examine and think about things was like a, I don't know, like a example for people who end up going buying them and not being journalists to think about those things. Like where we were demonstrating for our audience a way to think more critically about, you know, the latest random camera feature or whatever. Yeah. I'm not sure what the question was. Yeah, now that you're, I, I, now I, that you're I, a Google I, executive, I think you're <laughs> filibustering on my podcast just yeah, like sorry. the rest of them. Um, it's fine. It's good training. What I'll add to that is we, we've done that a lot. I have all these ideas about The Verge's mission statement and the tagline. And what I've settled with lately is that we are a publication about how technology makes you feel, which I think is you can get it and no one else is crazy enough to say that about a tech publication. But that's what we're about. How does this stuff make you feel? The other thing that I always think, and this is very much Neilai and Dieter being esoteric about things, is it's fun to be smart, <laughs> right? If you like come into this and you're curious, like we should reward your curiosity. And in a media environment where we don't have the production budget of Apple and we certainly don't have their timelines, the amount of information that they can put out or that Google can put out or Samsung can put out about their phone is infinite and it's beautiful and it lacks all credibility in my <laughs> mind because it, it it's not real, right? It, they're, they're trying to sell you something. We're trying to show you the experience of using it. And I think a huge part of the experience of using this stuff is understanding how it works or at least knowing 
and this is like very much what I've taken from Dieter over these many years, at least knowing that the people who made decisions about how it works are authors themselves. They are making choices to provide you with a, a tool or an instrument in the Dieter parlance so that you yourself will then make culture. And it, particularly, I think this is true with phones and laptops and why I spend so much time thinking about cameras. The way a smartphone camera works is the biggest unlock in human cultural production that has ever existed. Like by far we are like the amount of video that we are, are just inundated with that everyone can create the fact that we're on a video call right now to make this podcast on in three different cities in the country. And I will tell you, we use Riverside, which prioritizes audio. So you guys are a little blocky for me. (laughs) Um, It's a podcast. Uh, that stuff is incredible. It is happens because of cameras. And if you don't take the cameras seriously and the decisions that people made the cameras seriously, you might find yourself not really understanding the cultural object you look at. And that's why what's a computer or what is a photo in the context of computational photography, I think have been, yep, that's me and Dieter nerding out. Like that's just who we are. But I think the reason we've built an audience around those questions is once that light goes on in your brain, you understand that you're really, you're asking very deep questions about what it means to be like a participant in our society. And yeah, and then like, it's cool. So I can be like the face ID works by shooting lasers on your face. And like that all comes together, but you got to start with that big idea. And then I think that if you're curious enough, you will find the things that are very cool. It's always there. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't always necessarily come through. Sometimes we just got to tell you the battery life, man. <laughs> Instead of like yeah, the philosophical you got one day embargo, and I'm like, it didn't light on fire. Yeah, one time it did. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> these phones explode is a real important thing to get through sometimes. Um, all right, let's talk about Google. You're going to Google. Mm-hmm. I got a Google executive on the Vergecast. It's pretty cool. Not yeah. yet. I don't start for a minute. All right, a pre. What are you doing? Are you like going to be comms? Are you going to like send me emails on background that I have to tell you that I don't do that anymore? Uh, boy, I, I know our, our background policy, so I would never dare. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to be uh, not very public for a while. I don't know how long, probably quite a while. Uh, I'm working inside the, again, the, the platform and ecosystems team. So I'll be working with the people who are making the actual products and I'll be trying to help think, you know, more narratively and more deeply about what those products are, how they can fit together, and how they themselves could be better. Wait, I, I thought you were going there to fix their messaging app. Yeah, so, so both of us were like, <laughs> he can do it. He can fix RCS. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about, about RCS? <laughs> no, is I mean, it, I just it, want yes. you to fess up. Go out with the going, bang, man. You're going, you're going over there to be the messaging guy. Yeah. <laughs> I am not. Please. <laughs> so much more than that. Uh, I've said this publicly many times. I think that RCS is not uh, the greatest messaging platform on earth. Uh, I think that it has um, many faults, but so does any messaging platform. But that it's sort of um, it's the direction that Google has chosen, and uh, they need to see it through. But more importantly, it's the direction that carriers have chosen and they need to see it through. So as much as I will um, say, you know, Apple should support RCS because fundamentally RCS can be an encrypted platform and there should be privacy between iPhone users and Android users, which I do believe, at a certain point, 
what we're talking about here are carrier services, because that's what RCS fundamentally is if the carriers choose to support it. And so it's on them to be like, yeah, we're we're setting a sunset date on SMS. And that's like that's what needs to happen. So you're gonna be just spending all your days having meetings with T Mobile? <laughs> when yeah. Dieter first told me about this job, I was like, here's some here's some traps I foresee for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I think this job sounds really interesting. I do think that me too. The thing I'm looking forward to is like, yeah, I don't, one day it'll be public again. And the first Dieter on decoder episode is going to be hilarious. Oh man. It's going to be real good. I'm literally terrified because like everybody just needs to know if this ever happens, not only will Neil, I not play softball, it will be incumbent upon him. And I would do the same thing in his position to play the hardest ball possible. (laughs) That's right. On that one. No, and I'll no, be on no. his ass if he does. <laughs> I know. Tell have Walt, Walt will produce that episode. <laughs> uh, all right. We got to wrap this up. We've gone over, actually, <laughs> in classic Vergecast fashion. Uh, Walt, did you want to say one last thing to the ear? I have enjoyed working with you. I've enjoyed being a, a consumer of your stuff. And uh, I hope we still are friends. Uh, I'm pretty sure we will be. And um, I think you're going to, I think Google is very lucky to get you. That's what I'll say. We are absolutely going to continue to be friends. Thank you. I will continue to be both of your rivals. I'd like everyone to realize (laughs) I've now vanquished the both of you. (laughs) This is really, that's what this episode's about. Um, No, I will, Dieter, I will miss working with you tremendously. I don't know if people know this. We have very different kinds of public personas. Dieter is more ambitious than I am. He has higher standards than I do. He has consistently pushed me to be the best version of the editor-in-chief that I can be and to make The Verge great. And he has just absolutely esoteric intellectual ideas that he forces me to contend with, which is a useful exercise uh, when you are in a creative partnership with someone. So I'm going to miss working with you. I'm, I still have your phone number. One of the hardest things about this episode is like Dieter's not dying. Yeah. So I don't want to like we're we've been trying to calibrate the t- bittersweet excitement. I, that's what I started with. So I'm excited for you. I'm sad to be not working with you anymore. But I just really wanted to say uh, thank you. And I think from our audience, I, I hope I'm channeling some of them. Uh, you know, the hours we have spent on this podcast together have gotten me through challenging times in our life. I think like the pandemic, part of getting through the endless slogs of pandemic was just complaining about how many days it had been since a website was announced with you and like all that stuff is really important. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. And also really, can you, can you just do something about Chrome battery life? Because that would be great for all of us. (laughs) Try. (laughs) Um, well, I want to thank you for all of your guidance, uh, since we started working together and, um, also your kindness. Um, the thing about both of you actually that I think, uh, people don't realize is um, how supportive and kind you are to your fellow employees to, uh, you know, you're supportive publicly, but even even better uh, privately when we talk. Um, it, it has really meant a lot to me. And Neil, I'm not going to try and sum up 12 years of um, friendship and working together in 30 seconds because good Lord. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I, you know, the number of times I've like submitted a draft to you and both been 
terrified and excited for you to just tell me that it was wrong or that I like missed it. I can't count because, uh, you know, I, I've needed you to, to check me. I've, it's, it's been incredibly, I don't know, it's deep in my humanity to have you force me to think more clearly about things and to be more courageous in saying things directly instead of couching it in a million, you know, little clauses and provisos and I don't know about this, not about that. And you would, you've always pushed me just like, no, no, you know what the thing to say is. You should just say it. And I think without you, I, I wouldn't have had that clarity. Um, and I'm, I'm still working on it today. And, um, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm going to miss you. But I'm not dying. I'm still around. So please text me. Right. This is, it's like hard to calibrate at the end of this. <laughs> Uh, both of you are very dear to me. I'm going to, Walt, I have missed you. Although I do get the occasional text or call from Walt. that's like, make the thing better, which is helpful. And I appreciate it. Um, uh, Dieter, I look forward to just complaining about Google to you in back channels. We're going to have to disclose Dieter works at Google for like a few months to come. It's going to be good. Every time there's Uh, a stock photo of me that shows up on the site. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. And we're going to have to sort it out, but, um, I think that'll all be fun. One thing I want to say to everybody, The the Verge is not over. We're just saying goodbye to Dieter, who is our co-founder. We are putting on a show for it. If you have ever co-founded anything with anybody, it's a big deal. There's there's a lot tied up. I've cried on Dieter's shoulder in a bar more times than I can count. Starting things is really hard. So, yeah, we're making a big deal for Dieter going. The man deserves it. He deserves every minute of it. The Verge, however, has a great team that is now closing in on 100 people. We have a wild new website design coming this year. We have a new video strategy. We have all this stuff is happening. Um, I host another podcast, which is excellent. Um, shameless plug at the end of the Dieter goodbye. <laughs> so that's all still going. I just want to make sure Dieter, you had this moment to say goodbye to this audience. Importantly, I, I wanted to hear people say how much uh, we care about you and we're going to miss you. That is our goodbye. We have a few more people who want to say goodbye to you. And then I think Dieter, Dieter wants to talk to all of you directly, so that's what we're going to do. But that's it. That's the Vergecast. Rock and roll. Hey, it's Casey Newton, contributing editor at The Verge and editor of Platformer. Dieter was my work husband for all seven and a half years that I worked at The Verge, uh, except for his detour in New York. We sat next to each other, and there's really no person in my professional life I have learned more from than Dieter from my first day at The Verge. He taught me to uh, try really, really hard to be really ambitious and to always assume that you could accomplish huge things if you simply demanded it. Um, I don't know that Dieter will ever get the credit he deserves for helping to build The Verge with his bare hands. He invented so many of our processes. He refined all those processes. He hired great people. He wrote great stuff. He made amazing videos. So Dieter is an all-time talent, and we will miss him at The Verge, but I'm so, so grateful for the time that I got to spend learning by his side. Congratulations, Dieter. Hey, Dieter. I'll never forget when it was just the two of us in that shitty San Francisco office with the barbecue place next door down the street. Those were the days, weren't they? West Coast News. And now you've come so damn far. It's been a pleasure to watch. Well, if you ever need someone to narrate an impactful video, you know who to call. Well, that was great. Uh, love talking to Walt and Neil. 
Obviously. Uh, one thing I just didn't get around to is thanking everybody at The Verge, both past and present. And I want to give like an Oscar-style speech where I just start saying names and telling you how amazing they are until the music plays and they kick me out. Um, but I really shouldn't do that. And at some point, I'd forget a name and I'd feel terrible. Um, but there are just... There's so many. I'm going to say a few. Uh, Helen Havlack, uh, who we promoted to be our boss, is an incredible steward for The Verge. She is one of the things that makes it great. Uh, You might know Dan Seifert. He runs our reviews program. Casey Nori runs our video team. Uh, Maria has done incredible work. She helped me make the Springboard documentary, which I hope you go watch. It is a really important thing. Viren has been making videos with me forever. This I knew this was going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to want to keep saying names forever, and I'm the, whoever I leave off is going to feel terrible about. But the, the thing I want to just emphasize here is The Verge is going to continue to be amazing because the people that work there are amazing, and they're making amazing stuff, and they care every bit as much as I always have, if not more, and they are even more talented than, than I am. So uh, please keep heading over there. Please keep watching the videos, listen to the podcast. I am so excited to see what, uh, what they're going to be doing next. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff I know about that's coming that I think is going to be incredible. And there's uh, even more stuff that I have no idea about. And I think I'm most excited about that stuff. So Verge Forever, love all of you. Hey, so this is weird. I'm uh, I'm saying goodbye all by myself, talking in your ear, and you're out there listening to me. Uh, it's called a parasocial relationship, by the way, if you haven't heard. You feel like I'm there w- with you, but I have no idea who you are. Um, and uh, that could be weird for a lot of creators. Uh, it is a little weird. But I've been incredibly lucky that I've never really felt <laughs> that weird about it because um, I always feel like, when I'm talking to the folks on the Verge cast, that I'm also like talking to you, and that so many of you um, have like the same sort of innate curiosity, um, the same obsessions, um, the same desire to just figure this stuff out and try and have a little fun while we do it. You know, the the terms here that I've got, like you're our listeners or you know fans or whatever, and that's all just too passive. Um, you're not an audience. Um, you're – this is in the post on the site. I feel like you've been a kindred spirit. And so many of you have tweeted at me and emailed me and just sent me your thoughts in whatever way that you could. And um, it's always been wonderful. It's always wonderful when people stop by and say hi in the street uh, because then they get to see how awkward I truly am. <laughs> um, so thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me be in your ear all of these years. And, uh, you know, I'm not going away. Feel free to, to reach out to me anytime. I am and will remain Backlon on Twitter. But thank you for listening. Thank you for all that you've given to me over the years. And um, be a kindred spirit. Don't be a stranger. Mark and Mark.